0: Oh, you can't talk football early enough, and here we are on BetUS's NFL channel to talk a little NFL football on a Friday in June. Why not? I'm your host, T.J. Reeves. I've got my guys, my handicappers, hanging out with me here that are ready on a Father's Day weekend to dive into the NFL slate for week number one. Scott Kellen is here from Las Vegas. Scott, how you feeling, brother, on a Friday?
1: Hey, I'm Great TJ and basketball is done. What else to do now but talk football, right? I
0: think I think so. We got to rev it up. My man TA, Cleveland TA is here on the program. Uh there by on the banks of what? Lake Erie or I'm not even sure where in the greater Cleveland area. Hey, the Browns have been better recently. TA, how you feeling? I'm
2: good. Good. Not much going on in the in uh, in Cleveland these days with the the football team, right? So uh, <laughs> looking to actually uh, uh, discuss stuff on the field. Uh, that's all I've been hearing is off the field for the last three yeah, months. Yeah, there's so a, we're looking forward way to it.
0: too much right now going on off the field involving Deshaun Watson that we will get into. So, folks, we will be here each and every week talking about the NFL games. But the folks at BetUS said, "Hey, why don't we give you an early look?" At what some of this might be like from a handicapping uh, perspective. Uh, Guys, just give me, I want an answer from each one of you. T.A., I'll come back to you first here. Uh, This time of year in June, are you already looking ahead to week one in some detail? Are you already looking to see, man, is that line out of whack already for an NFL game? Have you begun that process?
2: You know, I've looked briefly, um, and it's mainly if there's any teams or any matchups where you know, I'm high on one team coming into the season versus maybe down on, on an opponent and very rarely do you see that matched up but you know we do have one case that i could talk about later but um, it's really just you know paying attention to everything that's going on um, in terms of you know uh, the draft uh, digging into some of the uh, the transactions um in the offseason, and then looking back at some of my numbers uh, last year and to see if there's anything that You know maybe i missed or there's anything from we could take advantage from you know a futures perspective i look more towards the the kind of the long shot futures or just you know super bowl slash rookie of the year slash mvp market uh this time of year more than i do week one but um you know in in general you can kind of line that up with your general overall thoughts for the season and come up with a a player or two that you might like now
0: scott same kind of question for you have you already begun to look at week one lines and do you see maybe one or two of them where you're going, wait a minute, even in June here? I'm not so sure about that.
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, you know, a lot of my stuff, TJ, is based on player rating. So obviously players have moved around uh, during the offseason. So I've kind of lined all that up. Obviously between now and the start of the season, so some things will continue to change. Going back kind of like uh, TA and going back and actually just completed going through every game from last year with the different lineups. Because, again, it's kind of a player rating thing just looking at everything I did, can we fine tune some things here and there? I do some situational handicapping as well. So kind of get that on the database, do that. So, and quite frankly, I think I'm probably further ahead this year than I have been in most years. So pretty excited about that. And we'll just keep chumming along until uh season gets going in August
0: all right uh, and again for the audience some of you may know this i've been doing uh, basketball programming for bet us and also some boxing programming uh as well i am affiliated with the tampa bay buccaneers their radio broadcast and have been for the better part of about 20 years obviously super bowl champions champa bay a couple of years ago so needless to say when it comes to anything nfl related you know where my allegiance lies if it comes to anything in terms of a buccaneer game like i'm going to sit on the bet us show and not pick the buccaneers so you you you're going to rely more on the handicappers, as my point. But particularly with Buccaneers, you may hear me speak up, give some input, but it's it's pretty well understood, right, guys? I believe – I mean, the Bucs are going to win every game. I believe that. That's where my check comes from, from the team. I believe they're 17-0, right, before the season ever begins.
2: I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you're asking me what I think of the Bucks, I mean, they're obviously – you got Tom Brady back, so you get your gift, right? That was uh, – and, sure. Uh, I guess a late Christmas gift, but, you know, the I'm interested in the
0: retirement, NFC... right, T.A., right. the retirement. Was it really a retirement?
2: Yeah. Who, who actually knows what was going to happen in terms of the Miami rumors and all that? But look, you got them back. And, you know, it's interesting. The NFC is just not nearly as strong as it has been, and especially compared to the AFC this year. So even if I, you know, if I think that Tampa's roster is a little bit down overall, you know, they got some offensive line questions, questions at receiver, especially with injuries. Um, you know, they're just they're, there's not that much competition in the NFC uh, besides the Rams. So uh, they really are going to be, uh, you know, in the top three is, in, in my opinion, Now, whether they're going to win it all or, or not. I'm not sure. But, you know, they're they're going to be there and they've got enough talent to 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 win enough games to win that division. I mean, the division is is the worst in the NFL. So, um, you know, they're, uh, they're they're clearly in good shape.
1: Hey, at least if you're going to be a homer and think a team's going to go 17 or no. That's not a bad team to be affiliated. (laughs) Right.
0: Very very true. Uh, And I can tell you, uh, guys, you saw this, but I got to see it at field level at the end of the year. I don't know how long this is going to last into 2022 here with Tom Brady. But right now, even at 46 years of age, how do you not look at the end of last season when he was still putting zip on the football through the bomb to Mike Evans for the touchdown for what looked like it was going to be his last ever touchdown uh, in the NFL in that NFC divisional round playoff game with the Rams? That was a 50-yard laser right over the top of me standing on the sideline uh, watching that. So the guy's still got arm strength. He's got talent around him. The division may be a little weaker. We'll see about the Buccaneers. So... Without further delay, let's give some love to the L.A. Rams. They're going to open up week number one, uh, as the Super Bowl champion always does, as the team hosting the Buffalo Bills on the special Thursday night game. Um, again, the the lines uh, will vary. We realize we're way early. Uh, the Rams have had a couple of guys that have moved on. Vaughn Miller has moved on, by the way, to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and a couple of other players they're not going to have back from the team. Uh, it, Buff- speaking of Buffalo, so Vaughn Miller will play against his old team. Buffalo with Josh Allen had their heart broken when last time we saw them in the playoffs with Kansas City. Uh, Scott, let's go to you first. Any any thought here early on on a Buffalo-Ram game that will open the season on Thursday night at SoFi Stadium in L.A. when we get there in September?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, TJ. we got the Rams who won it last year playing Buffalo, a team who I think is just ascending – here uh, and just continue to get better and better. They've added some nice pieces. Like you said, Von Miller, they brought over Jamison Crowder. Nice option at receiver, because they lost Beasley and Sanders. Uh, They add some help to the secondary, get Tredavious White back. Uh, Just my early numbers looking at this game, I actually favor Buffalo by about two points in this game. I'd make the total about 49 and a half. And kind of interesting, kind of hidden under the radar with the Rams since they moved into SoFi Stadium, uh, not counting uh, the Super Bowl, which was not really a home game. They're now 13-3 and to the under as home favorites. Now, I know they're not favored in this game, so take that for what it's worth. But uh, just interestingly enough, when they've been a home team and favored, which they could obviously become a favorite here, they've played lower scoring games as well. My numbers uh, point that direction a little bit as well. No play for me early on or uh, at this point, but a little bit of a lean to Buffalo and the under in this game.
0: T.A., do you have a thought? It'll be glitz and glamour. They'll raise the Super Bowl banner. Oh, I just made a rhyme anytime time on the NFL show. They'll give out the rings, all the things, and then they'll play the Buffalo Bills. Any thought on that opener? I mean, it's
2: a fantastic game to start, but um, you know, typically the, the Super Bowl um, winner the next year has done well on that Thursday night opener. I will say, I mean, Buffalo's got to be the best team that um, any of these teams has had to face the next season. And uh, to me, Buffalo is the better overall team. They have a better roster. Um, so, you know, I think this line is right. I, I would, you know, it, I haven't taken anything yet, but I think the under probably is, is a smarter play. I think that there is some question on the Rams offensive line. Uh, you know, they lost Andrew Whitworth uh, this season to retirement. They've got a, a, a potential rookie playing guard for them. You know, no OBJ. Um, you know, you're bringing in Allen Robinson from Chicago. I think... Um, you know, I think Buffalo's defense is is really really good now with the, the addition of Von Miller and uh, you know the quarterback Elam from uh, from Florida in the first round. So, I mean, I think you know defensively uh, they're gonna they're gonna play well. So, if I had to to pick a spot right now, it would look to to the under. But um, you know, nothing I'm playing right now. I just think it's gonna be a really good game, and um, I think the line is just about right.
0: And so and look, our audience knows this. The the people that are uh, sharp betters know this. There is so much that could go on in training camp with injuries, player holdouts. It's going to come up here a couple of times in some of these games we're talking about. We don't know about those variables right now. We're just having fun kicking it around with the guys we have. And I think we all three agree, nodding of the heads. The Buffalo Bills are coming. I mean, they have been coming for the last couple of years. This might be a year where they finally break through. Uh, and get into a Super Bowl and have a chance uh, to win again. They've broken their fans' hearts before, but I think we're all in agreement. Buffalo might be uh, a strong look there, especially in an upset spot early on in the year against the Rams with so much hype and distraction around that opening game. Okay, also on the opening weekend, uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, electric, obviously at quarterback with what he can do as a dual threat. They'll open up the year at the Jets, and we see that there is... Uh, A Raven road favored line at minus five and a half Uh, TA right back to you. Any thought at all on this game? I'm not expecting anybody to go on the record. You might lean a certain way or another, but any thought on this game?
2: You know, historically, Jim Harbaugh has been really good um, in, in opening games. The Ravens are 10-4 and four against the spread um, in, uh, since since he's taken over in week one. And, you know, there have been many blowouts in, in that stretch, although they lost last year in Monday night uh, in overtime uh, uh, to the Raiders. You know, I know the Jets have become kind of the sharp darling uh, among some of the the analytics folks out there because the uh, potential ascension of Zach Wilson, you know, who knows uh, and they've got some, uh, some talent coming in from um, their, their high draftees. But I I don't know. I I think that, um, you know, I'm not sold on Zach Wilson. I think the Ravens defense is really, really good. They're getting all their reinforcements back. I mean, they, they literally had the worst injury luck in the history of the NFL last year. If you look at all those metrics. So, you know, getting all those guys back uh, you would assume without any sort of preseason issues. Uh, it's really going to help, and I don't know. I, I, I would still lean towards the Ravens if I if I had a choice here. Um, you know, the Lamar Jackson thing. This is why you wouldn't want to take uh, this bet now, is because you never know what happens with Lamar. I mean, he's, he's uh, looking for a contract. There's a there's some dispute there. Who knows? Maybe he sits out, you know, maybe something happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe they trade him. I mean, God, you just don't know at this point. So um, not a game that I would touch right now because of that. But assuming everybody plays and everything's kosher, then I you know, I would probably lean. Just take the Ravens on the money line, to be honest. Um, may, you know, looking at them or maybe tease them down to a pick. If I was going to do anything, I think they can win. You know, the number gets a little bit heavy here. And uh, um, when you're when you're laying over five and a half or five on the road, especially in week one where underdogs usually do well at home. Um, but, uh, but that's, that would be my opinion. Just, just lean kind of Ravens to win.
0: Scott, I know you have some interest in this game with the understanding it's still virtually 90 days away, but what are what are your thoughts here on jets
1: Ravens? Yeah, I, I, I lean Baltimore here, as TA said, they've done well in week one uh, with uh, Lamar Jackson. They've kind of been bullies, you know, they're, they play this style where they run the ball. I kind of like to refer back to the old Nebraska days, right? Even Nebraska's fourth string, when they're up 58 to 7, they can still score because they run the ball. You get teams that throw the ball a lot. They, they go to a running uh, you know, uh, a game plan in the last four minutes of the game. Well, Baltimore's just doing what they've done all game and run the ball, and they could break a 50-yard run. So they tend against these inferior teams that really dominate them quite a bit. Uh, I think they were, I don't have it on my sheet here, but I think they were 12 and 1 straight up as road favorites going into last year. Now that kind of normalized itself a little bit last year. And then, of course, Jackson missed a good part of the year. So, you know, maybe that trend's changing a little bit. But as TA said, they're getting a fresh team back into the secondary, the running backs. Jets have improved greatly as well. It, it's interesting. People talk about the Jets. Are they going to win eight games, nine games this year or something for improvement? This team could win as many games as last year, but still be vastly improved from what they were last year as well. So, uh, you know, there's, there's different ways to improve. But I definitely lean towards Baltimore here just because of their history. And it's just too early to play. I think it was just yesterday someone asked Lamar if he would hold out, and he said, we'll see. So there's enough question there uh, <laughs> with Lamar Jackson. You don't know. We, I just need to wait. But definitely lean towards Baltimore in this game.
0: Interesting in an AFC matchup there where the Ravens uh, faltered some at the end of last year, obviously with Lamar Jackson's injury and the Jets. Are they a team that's going to come back around? Okay, NFC South matchup is also there in week number one. It does not involve my Buccaneers. We'll talk about them later. It involves the Saints, who for the first time in over a decade and a half won't have Sean Payton on the sideline. Instead, it'll be Dennis Allen, the former defensive coordinator. Arthur Smith is the second year coach of the Falcons. Uh, The Saints quarterback situation still up in the air. So, too, is the Falcons situation because Matt Ryan, for the first time in a decade and a half, is not in Atlanta. uh, Dealt away to the Indianapolis Colts. Question marks all over this thing. Back to Scott Kellen. Question marks. We don't have to spend a long time here. Again, it's a week one game. It's a long way away. But there's uh, I mean, it's like the Joker's costume on Batman with all the question marks for a little visual, a little metaphor.
1: Yeah, so Atlanta last year, surprisingly, was a pretty healthy team, but still a bad team. Uh, They lose some pieces. The the most important one there, probably Matt Ryan. So uh, I just don't see how they're going to be any better this year than they were last year. Obviously, Winston, how healthy is he going to be? Is he going to be ready to go? Uh, You know, if Winston can come back and play, they actually – Really add three receivers here if Michael Thomas actually plays this year. They get Olave from Ohio State. They bring in uh, Jarvis Landry. So, a position that was horrible for them last year becomes a strength. The defense is good. They've added help uh, in the secondary at the safety position with Tyrone Matthew. They do lose Armstead at left tackle. So, some questions there. The other, and uh, in New Orleans is probably not a playoff team, but the, you know the basis of this team, I think, is pretty good if they can get Winston to play like he did early last year versus some of those years in Tampa, right, uh, TJ? But uh, Atlanta, 0-15 straight up first playoff team, 0-7 last year with their closest game by 13 points. So when they've stepped up in class here, they have not performed well. Uh, I don't know where New Orleans sits and all that, right? But um, if New Orleans can get to a level of a playoff team, this could be a little bit of a mismatch as well. It's uh, so a wait and see for me. No, no real opinion.
0: Again, Jameis Winston off the ACL injury. I was right there in the Superdome. It came against the Buccaneers. They were coming right at me when Devin White grabbed him and twisted him around. He never played again the rest of the year. Andy Dalton is in the mix, too. The new coaching staff with Dennis Allen says that Taysom Hill, T.A., will not be a quarterback in the mix in their new plans going forward. He'll go back to playing tight end, part-time like special teams guy, that kind of stuff. So the quarterback situation is an unknown there. It's an unknown in Atlanta, too. Do you have a quick thought there on the week one game?
2: Yeah, I actually, you know, I know Scott said he's not sure if New Orleans is a playoff team. I actually think they are. I actually bet them uh, to win when the uh, NFC is a long shot future, Um, have them to make the playoffs, have them over, uh, I believe it's eight wins. I, I really like this team now week one or two or three. It may be a question mark because, of the, like I said, Jameis coming back from injury. But Andy Dalton is serviceable enough at quarterback. And, again, against a team like Atlanta, it shouldn't be a major issue. I think their offensive line is really good, even without um, ter- uh, without Armstead. I mean, he missed most of the last season anyway, and they played fine. You know, Alvin Kamara's situation, I, I haven't really heard much there. He could get suspended. We're not sure. But assuming he's back, even if, if it's a couple games, uh, they'll be okay there. As Scott mentioned, the wide receiving core is much, much improved. And their defense is loaded. Top five defense in the NFL last year by all the advanced metrics. And they add, you know, the Honey Badger and Marcus May at safety. So I think they're a really, really loaded roster. Now, for week one, I think it's a little different situation. I think there's so much uncertainty there. Um, and again, Dennis Allen uh, and his first, uh, you know, head coaching start this year for uh, or for, for the Saints in, in his career. Um, I will say there is one trend that I'm really nervous to go against if, if you're looking at, at New Orleans here. Um, home underdogs in division are on an absolute tear, 19 and 5 against mm. the spread since 2010, 13 and 2 since 2012. Uh, so almost 80% since 2010. Um, and if you look at just in division underdogs in general, week one, uh, they're hitting at a 69% clip in the last 12 years, 2-1-0 last year, if you remember Houston versus Jackville, uh, Miami versus New England. So, you know, this falls specifically in that home underdog in division category, and it's over a field goal. So, you know, and there's some question marks with the Saints here early. So, for me, I, I like the Saints as an overall kind of long shot for for the season. But for week one, to me, it's either Atlanta or stay away, just because that, that trend has just been so – good um recently and and you know it makes sense why you would think teams that kind of know each other are familiar with each other week one um if you're a home underdog you're typically um not viewed very well by the uh by the market and so i think there's a little bit of uh motivation there as well so uh, to me it's either atlanta or pass but i do like the saints for the season
0: Very interesting there for the NFC South. Let's move on to an AFC East matchup. For whatever reason, for the success that the Patriots have repeatedly had uh, on the AFC, on the AFC East, and throughout the NFL, the Dolphins have been a team that have consistently given them problems, including beating them a year ago in one of their meetings. Uh, The Patriots will be favored in Miami with a new head coach. Brian Flores is gone, and obviously the backdrop of his racial discrimination lawsuit hangs over the NFL, but he's gone, fired as the Dolphins coach. Mike McDaniel, the former 49ers brief offensive coordinator and former uh, offensive assistant, is now the head coach. Obviously, Bill Belichick has a second year with Mac Jones. They come in on the road for week one at Miami T.A. Right back to you. I don't know how much time you've really spent analyzing the game specifically here, but it's an intriguing time. Uh, when uh, Early in the year, New England and Miami always seem to play, and for whatever reason, Miami always gives them problems early in the year.
2: Well, especially, well, they actually give them problems in Miami when it's late in the year. So late when it's in cold in New England and they got to go down to Miami. And typically, New England's kind of wrap things up. Uh, you know, they don't take it too seriously. We saw it last year. Uh, I think it was the last game of the year. So you get them week one in Miami. A couple of years ago, Tom Brady went in and I think won 52 to nothing or something. It was week two. Right. So if it's early, them
0: in, early in the year, good point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So if it's earlier in the year, I think it's not as much of an advantage there. Uh, but I mean this is a tough game for me. I think Miami has got some pieces but it might take some time for them to gel. I mean, look, lately uh, in preseason these these starting quarterbacks just don't play. So now you've got, you know, Tua who may or may not play a lot of reps uh, in preseason. You've got a new receiver in Tyreek Hill. Um, obviously, there you got a new system, so it be, remains to be seen how much you know rust there is, or potential uh, you know a lack of connection in the first game with Tyreek Hill. Uh, and then you look at New England. I think New England played a little bit over their heads last year. Um, now they they really beat up on the bad teams, but they probably weren't as good as some of their their big blowout wins in general. So um, so that's that's interesting. And then you look at you know some some of the luck factors like. Opponent field goal percentage uh, was lowest in the NFL. So teams were kicking field goals at the lowest rate. I don't think a team made a field goal over 50 yards against them. So, um, you know, you, those type of things t- tend to regress over the season. Not sure if it matters week one or not. But uh, those little things like that, um, it would give me pause about New England. I, I just think you, you take the, the, the team with the more experienced staff, obviously, with Belichick. I think Mac Jones is going to play well uh, right away. Um, I think in general, just they'll be more prepared. You have no idea. It's a total wild card how Mike McDaniel is going to, going to prepare for this game. And you've got the, the two factor and, uh, Tyreek Hill question mark. So I, I would lean again, um, typically week one in division underdogs, like I said, nearly 70% in the last 10 years. So I would lean that way. If I were to take this, it's either new England or a pass for me.
0: Scott, what are your thoughts here on this? In particular, the kind of the Miami angle, that whether it was a Flores factor or whatever, they always <laughs> seem to give the Dolphins problems, uh, maybe not early, but they always seem to head-to-head at least give them problems. Any thoughts on that matchup?
1: I was looking at my notes from uh, last year, TJ, and uh, as TA said, I think that was the last game of the year. And I, I, New England was like 1-8-1 and against the spread in Miami in December games, uh, and <laughs> So then I was going to add that, and then I'm like, oh, shoot, that's December. This is not December, uh, early in the year. But let's remember, early in the year, and and T.A. Uh, spoke to the you know big win for them, I think in week two a few years ago, but it's hot down there. So that does have impact on teams going to Florida early in the year. You would know that, T.J., and being in Tampa. Uh, Miami improves the offensive line. I still don't think this offensive line is great. They had Armstead at left tackle, uh, but it was so bad last year. Any kind of improvement, I think, does help. Uh, as a whole, for the whole season, I'm kind of interested to see what happens here because I, I think this system that Miami's installing is a very quarterback friendly system. Uh, if anything's going to help too, this would. It, it's interesting. It I has
0: think- Tyreek Hill in that system now, yeah, too, to go along with Absolutely. Waddle and company. That, that'll make your system look a little better, right?
1: Well, uh, with all the end arounds and, you know, all the stuff, right? Misdirection. It's designed play action to really allow quarterbacks to throw to open receivers and whatnot. So we'll see how Tua grows in that. I think it's interesting. I'm not saying I like Tua necessarily, but people say Mac Jones is great and Tua sucks. You know, those two have very similar stats at the quarterback position. Now, Tua has been in there for two years. So maybe after two years, Mac Jones will have better stats than Tua did after two years. But, you know, they're kind of similar in some ways. And one gets all the praise and one gets a lot of heat. And Tua, by the way, is just looking at my sheet here. He's now nine and two against the spread in his career at home in games that he's played 40% or more of the staff. So essentially he's played the majority, if not the whole game. So he's done okay at home. Now he's being asked to lay some points, though, because he's probably been a home dog in a lot of those games. I do show a little bit of value to New England in this game. Not enough for me to play it, although it's sitting at a key number. Uh, So that's important. It's kind of a wait and see for me. I'm just interested to see how all this comes together for Miami more than anything.
0: Interesting on that one. All right, let's move on here as we're early previewing the week one games uh, in the NFL uh, with my handicappers, with Scott and with T.A. We move on to T.A.'s part of the world, and that's the Cleveland Browns, although it's a road opener at Carolina and T.A. is now going to have to address the $59,000 question. When is Deshaun Watson playing for this team? Because nobody knows while we're in the offseason. The the belief is it's going to be a lengthy suspension by the NFL, criminal conviction or not. The Browns actually still favored with that looming out there uh, against the Carolina Panthers. All right, Scott, I, I'm, I'm alternating back and forth. Scott, you first, then we'll come back to T.A., uh, what do we make of this with Cleveland and the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson?
1: Man, it's gotta be a wait and see. I know some people have bet this line down and taking Carolina. I think uh, either with the assumption that Watson's suspended, they're not going to play Mayfield. I think the other element in here could Mayfield show up on Carolina before the season starts that, you know, there's talk there too. <laughs> Carolina is a, you know, I'm not a huge Mayfield fan, but he's better than Sam Darnold in my mind. Uh, you know, there's that element as well. So, it's a lot of wait and see because of all that. Uh, Amari Cooper comes over to the Browns. You know, if, if you knew who was starting for Cleveland on week one, whether it's Mayfield or Watson, I think this is decision becomes a little bit easier. I don't think Carolina's done a whole lot in the offseason. Uh, since Matt Rules got there, they're now 1-13 straight up versus playoff teams. Let's assume Cleveland would be a playoff team if they had their quarterback stuff in order. And all about one of those losses last year was by eight or more. They're just not competitive against these good teams. But we don't know if Cleveland's a good team because we just don't know what's happening there with the quarterback position. So um, it's a wait and see for me. This Carolina offensive line is not good. They added to it during the draft, so maybe that improves. But um, no play for me, and we just got to see what's happening.
0: T.A., again, as I joked with you, everybody wants to know, when is Deshaun Watson playing? We don't know right now in the summer. And then you got the Baker Mayfield situation. We don't know if he's even on the roster like Scott was saying yeah I mean I can
2: uh, no matter how many games that Watson gets I think it's all pretty clear that he's gonna get something right so it definitely uh, I would say it's almost automatic that he's out week one so just assume that he's not gonna play week one I mean that line went from I believe five to to down to three I think it's even less in some other places so uh, clearly there's momentum there um, that he won't start week one. Uh, and it won't be. I'll just tell you, it won't be Baker Mayfield. He's not going to be on the roster. Um, don't, don't listen to anything nationally. I I kind of know this firsthand. He's not going to play another snap for the Browns. He won't be in training camp, even if the trade's not done in time. So, why did
0: they not deal him already? In your opinion, just real quick. Well, so the, the,
2: the issue is he's got uh, about nineteen million dollars of a salary that um, nobody wants to pay, right? And they know, and other teams think that the Browns don't have leverage here, right? So a team like Carolina or Seattle, um, or probably the two teams that that stick out the most, um, are just kind of sitting and waiting. And they're saying, well, we want you to eat a big chunk of that salary for us to make a trade. And the Browns are saying, well, the minute that we make it known publicly that we're going to eat, let's say, 15 million of that 19, there's going to be other suitors involved. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for example, right? They need a backup quarterback. Um, They need somebody maybe after this year. They could take a flyer on a Baker Mayfield to sit behind I can Who tell better. You though,
0: they don't have they don't have the salary cap room to take on fifteen million. You got to find somebody no. like you said like a Carolina or like a Seattle that might have the cap room to be able to take him on right away, right? No, no, no. So
2: the browns would eat. I'm saying if the Browns say we agree to eat fifteen million. We'll mm-hmm. trade you, Baker Mayfield. We'll take the fifteen million. So you only pay four as the team that acquired. that opens right. up a whole. Like a bunch of teams, like they said, like Tampa, maybe the Giants, whatever. So uh, that's the negotiation. So the Browns.
0: 49ers, 49ers might be interested. We don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that would take Baker Beefle for a couple million bucks, right? Of one year. Like, why wouldn't you if you trade a fifth, sixth round pick? So that's the holdup. And so I think eventually Carolina does get it done. I think they'll they'll beat in the middle. Maybe the Browns eat like 13 million of it, okay, or 12 million. Uh, but they're going to hold on to him as long as they can because he's there's nothing to really there's nothing really to do till July. So that's that's the issue there in terms of how many games Watson's going to miss. I mean, like I said, it's it's probably at least half the season, but we'll see. I think for this game, Jacoby Brissett will likely start, um, and he's not great, but he's not awful either. He can kind of he can kind of hold the hold the ship uh, down for a few games. You know, and, and to me, he's probably on the same level as what Baker was showing you last year uh, after the injury, which isn't great. But again, good enough. Um, he's a veteran. He's not going to rock the boat. And he's never had an offensive line like the Browns have, which is probably top five and ten in the NFL. He's never had nearly. I mean, go look at his running backs at Miami and with the Colts. Like, can you name any of them? Marlon Mack, maybe is his rookie year, like has had no running game. Um, So he's finally going to get a great offensive line, great running game to rely on. He's got a star receiver potentially in Amari Cooper. So I think they're good enough. Their defense is really good. And again, if if you're going to face Sam Darnold or uh, Matt Corral, who knows? um, I I think that the Browns should be kind of, I would personally put the line at about one and a half to two. Um, I think three is a little, little bit strong, but uh, that's probably pricing in some probability that maybe, uh, Watson plays, right? Like you have to price it even if it's 10%. So um to me, I don't even know if you could bet it in a lot of places. Um, but to me, yeah, I, I would just kind of do nothing here. And and if I had to guess, it's it's Jacoby Brissett starting week
0: one. It's pretty clear just from studying the history of the conduct policy and the suspensions, Ezekiel Elliott was not criminally charged with one accusation against him and he got four games. There are 20-plus accusations against Deshaun Watson, if not criminal charges. How is he not getting suspended, at least for the beginning of the year, like T.A. was saying? We don't know that for sure, but you gotta, you, you got to factor that in if you're looking at anything Cleveland early on in the year, and I think the guys agree with that. Another AFC North team and matchup. My God, I didn't know if I would ever say this. The defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, Scott Kellen, will host the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one and host them as a seven-point favorite. As for the first time, here we go again, since the mid-2000s, the Steelers won't have Ben Roethlisberger, who's (laughs) retired and move on. All right, Scott, give me a thought uh, here on this with the Bengals as the defending champs real quick.
1: Yeah, not, not a whole lot of opinion here, uh, TJ. Uh, I favor Cincinnati a little bit uh, versus this line. Uh, little lean to the over. Uh, Bengals, the big thing for the Bengals this offseason is they went in and upgraded that offensive line. They had Ted Karras, they had Alex Kappa, uh, who you probably know real well. Correct. And wrong, he, it seems like he was the right guard that sometimes was getting beat, I thought. I saw that a little bit late in the year. But nonetheless... Even uh, if, 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 if I'm right about that, this is an upgrade. And then, of course, uh, Collins from, uh, from Dallas is a huge upgrade for him as well. So they improved the offensive line. It's funny, last year, Cincinnati played a lot of close games, and you know, we'll get into this, I'm sure, later in the year uh, before the season starts. But I like to look at the Pythagorean theorem stuff to see what a team won last year versus what <laughs> they should have won. Uh, and there's right. some good there to really indicate if a team will regress or not. I thought Cincinnati would be one of those teams showing up as a team that's going to regress, but they, they really didn't based on the stuff that I look at. So I was kind of surprised by that, but uh, no opinion for me on this Steelers, by the way, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback there to start it out with. They do have Levi Wallace in the secondary. Uh, so strict that secondary uh, that's pretty good already, but uh no opinion for me. Uh, wait and see, and I'll probably just enjoy watching the first game. Uh, for-
0: you knew right You knew right where I was going with the Steelers and the quarterback situation being up in the air. And again, Cincinnati won huge games at the end of the year, including against Pittsburgh, won road games in the playoffs, including at Kansas City in overtime, just to make the Super Bowl. And again, the Steelers have uncertainty at quarterback. Uh, their offensive line was not very good a year ago. Again, T.A., as much as you want to spend on this, it's a Week 1 AFC North matchup
2: again falls into the uh in division underdog right so I to me if it's at seven I'm taking Pittsburgh I I, I didn't see it at seven so that's why I didn't put it on as something t- but if it's seven I'm taking it even at minus 120 um I, I just I mean you're giving a Mike Tom Mike Tomlin is notorious uh, Scott knows this trust me <laughs> but he's notorious as an underdog right like th- he is unbelievable against the spread as an underdog that's one of the more famous trends out there now it wasn't as good last year but um yeah, he's a he's a coach I, I want to back as an underdog, especially in division and getting a full touchdown. Look, Mitch Trubisky isn't great, but he's not he's not horrible. He's actually better than than what I think Ben Roethlisberger gave you last year. And Roethlisberger gave you zero mobility. At least at least Trubisky can can run and scramble and extend.
0: But we don't drive. know in June if I can interrupt. We don't know is it the rookie Kenny Pickett who they took in the first round? Did they turn the keys over to him? We don't know that right now. It's definitely an unknown, right, TA? Mr.
2: I will say, but if Kenny Pickett is starting, that means he he really played well in preseason, right? So, I, I mean, I can't imagine him just being kind of a ho hum, and they just stick him out there for Week One because you know the Steelers are a, a veteran roster. But yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, if it's if it's Kenny Pickett, maybe it changes a little bit. But um, in general, I think that you know Pittsburgh would be the the right side here. And as Scott mentioned, there are some regression statistics um, that you could look at with with Cincinnati. Um, you know, they did they did have uh, one of the easiest schedules in the NFL last year. Uh, so that helped out, um, you know, opponents only made 74 percent of their field goals against them. And they obviously had a great rookie kicker with Evan McPherson. Um, so, I mean, they've got some things that might go their way, you know, that might go opposite this year. I mean, they're actually one of the the more lucky teams when it comes to injuries as well. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh isn't great, but they still have a really good defense. They still have T.J. Watt in there. Um, they've got plenty of plenty of reinforcements. Um, you know they've got receivers that can that can uh, catch a football and make some plays. Again, the offense line not very good. I just don't think that the, the Cincinnati should be a seven point favorite here. Just for for reference, uh, when Cincinnati played at home against the Steelers uh, late in the year, I think it was in uh, late November. Yeah, it was towards the towards the towards December here. Uh, Cincinnati was only laying three and a half at home. So you're telling me they're three and a half points better. Um, from that point. I mean, yeah, they they made a, a run to the Super Bowl, but the roster is the same. Um, and the Steelers are actually, like I said, I think Trubisky at worst is, is as good as Ben was last year, probably better. Um, and I know Pittsburgh had some injuries in that game. So, to me, I think this line's a little bit uh, extended. So, uh, at seven, I would take the Steelers here.
1: Hey, Interesting. I, I, would, I would just add, uh, you know, whether it's Pickett or Trubisky, they're both a heck of a lot more mobile than Roethlisberger. And sure. they're both the ball down the field, a hell of a lot, in Roethlisberger. Right. So, other than the experience, you know, they're not really in a bad position.
0: All but right. see, that's
1: Fair the.
2: Market. I think that's just the market. Assuming it's, you know, oh Ben's gone. Well, Ben wasn't good. I mean, so it's like the name. I think they're they're pricing in the loss of the
0: name more than the actual. And talent. and by the way, Mike Tomlin's a heck of a coach and a defensive mind. Uh, I'm I won't go so far to say if Scott Kellen was under center, they'd find a way to get to eight or nine wins. <laughs> I've not seen Scott throw the ball, but Tomlin's a heck of a coach to get it out of whomever it's going to be: Pickett, Trubitsky, uh it, whether they go back to Charlie Batch or Mark Malone or go or go in the way back machine. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you have to do uh, on that. All right, let's move on. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, they were a surprise team at the end of the year, including a playoff upset in Dallas. Debo Samuel is a question mark because he has complained about how he's being used, complained about contract, et cetera. We look ahead to them playing in week one at Soldier Field against the Bears, year two of Justin Fields at quarterback, the former Ohio State quarterback. Uh, Scott Killen, I'm going to come right back to you. I don't know how much time you want to spend on this, on 49ers-Bears in a week one matchup. Anything intrigue you?
1: Uh, Not really. Uh, You know, maybe a lean to the under here. Um, We don't know what we're getting from Justin Fields. We don't know what we're getting from Trey Lance, quite frankly. But, uh, you know, the one thing I do like from the San Francisco standpoint, if they can keep Lance somewhat in check, again, this is a system that is quarterback friendly. Uh, He's been there for at least one year, so that helps a little bit. Obviously, has his fields, but uh, but I just feel that that system is going to be more friendly for him. This Chicago talent, our team is just void of talent. So, you know, I, I made the number right now at about uh, just under seven uh, and about thirty nine. So a little lean to the 49ers and the under. This just seems like the kind of game with that defense from San Francisco. They could smother the Bears offense. Uh, And then it doesn't take much in offense to cover this number, but no play for me in this game.
0: Interesting. All right, T.A., the 49ers, again, gutted it out. I'll have fun with you guys right now as we sit here in June. Uh, More likely that you are going to be invaded by aliens before midnight tonight, or Jimmy Garoppolo is under center week one for San Francisco. T.A.,
2: I actually don't think it's completely out of the question that Garoppolo starts week one. You're taking
0: Garoppolo over the aliens, okay. I'm just taking Garoppolo over the aliens. Look,
2: so, I mean, from all accounts, Trey Lance has not played well in in practice. Last year he was not very good. Um, I don't know. I I think that with the shoulder injury to Garoppolo, I think that's why his trade market is kind of dried up. So, um, you know, maybe they just look in training camp, There's you know, he's still recovering, and they they say, oh, we don't know what we got here. Um, we've got a play. We got a Super Bowl roster and they keep them. They've got the cap space to do so. Um, but uh, like I said, likely not. But you just never know um, in terms of this game. I mean, I think the Bears had a horrible offseason. They've got no talent at all on offense. They did fields, no favors. I'm an Ohio State guy and I you know want to see him succeed. But that receiving core, I mean, let me t- the starters are Daryl Moody, who's not bad, Uh Equinomia, St. Brown, Vilas Jones, who's Mm -hmm. 20, I think he's 25, and he was drafted in the third round. Byron Mm -hmm. Pringle, like, and and you have a bad, one of the worst offensive lines in football. Like, how do you expect this guy to survive? So I don't want to go up against a a good San Francisco defense, and uh, I don't care how many points I'm getting, to be honest. And I'm not sure the Bears' defense now without Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, you know, two big guys in the the front. I think that even if Trey Lance plays, they'll just run the ball down. The Bears throw, and I think I agree with Scott on the under. Uh, to me, this is this is an underplay.
0: Debo Samuel is he playing Week One? Is he holding out? Crystal ball time. Quick pick: Is he playing Week One in San Francisco because he's been unhappy with how he's been used and the money? He's playing.
2: Yeah, he's playing. They would have traded him by now if they, if they. I I think he's playing.
0: Pay him and make him happy, as you guys said. They have some salary cap money. We'll see if that is the case. Continuing on, early look at Week One. NFL games here on the NFL show. We realize it's June, but we're having fun going over the schedule. Philadelphia Eagles found their way into the playoffs. Thank you, extra wildcard team, for a couple of these teams that got in uh, for the fact that they've gone to an extra wild card the last couple of years. Eagles playing at the Lions. Uh, the Lions' woeful a year ago. Dan Campbell, the head coach, came in talking about biting people's kneecaps and getting dirty and uh, playing tough football. And by week four, he was crying in a post-game press conference. It was not good in Detroit. All right, uh, T.A., right back to you. Eagles, Lions, week one. Anything intrigue you here?
2: Um, I would lean Detroit. I'm not taking it yet. Uh, I think they're actually – you know there's a lot of people talking as kind of a surprise team in the nfc or at least a surprise to maybe be 500 or close to 500 uh, because like dan campbell actually got that team to play really really hard for him. i mean they were they first in the nfl and again uh, against the spread last year or the first or they're one of the best um covering the number they played a lot of close games against teams that you wouldn't expect um now some of that was you know kind of late kind of you know garbage points to, to cover the spread but you know, they stay alive and, and, and they they played fairly well for the talent they have on the field. I like them a little bit more, you know, if Jamison Williams w- was definitely going to play week one. I'm not sure if he will coming off that ACL. But, you know, they got DJ Chark to go opposite Amron St. Brown, who played really well last year. Uh, and Jared Goff, if you give him time, can actually make some plays. And they've got one of the better offensive lines in football. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they put up some points. If DeAndre Swift can play, if he just stays off of the injury list. You know, they've got some guys, TJ Hawkinson, you know, they can move the ball. So I think if you're getting over a field goal at home in the Dome, um, I think it's it's worth a look. I, you know, I know Philly's getting a lot of love, but it's still Jalen Hurts laying more than a field goal uh, on the road. I mean, he I remember taking the Giants last year as a home dog in the, in the same exact type of game uh, against Philly. And, and a lot of people were laying the points there, and, and Philly lost outright. Like, he's just not a guy that... I want to be laying more than a field goal on the road against really anybody. Um, So to me, and and by their nature, they're a running team. So they'll keep the score likely lower, which obviously increases the odds that an underdog could cover the spread here. So uh, to me, it's it's Detroit uh, if I'm getting four.
0: Obviously, I got to see the Eagles at field level a couple of times on Thursday night football against the Buccaneers at home which was an L and then they were wiped out, even though they dressed up the final score in like the last eight minutes of the game, they were behind 31, nothing. I think at one point in that divisional playoff game at Tampa Bay. Uh, All right, Scott, any, any thought here? It's a week one game. Jalen hurts second year in the system, Detroit bad last year. Any quick thought?
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, when I look at these, uh, my, my power ratings here, if I look at from week one, Week one of this year, Philadelphia has the most improvement in my power ratings. Obviously, through all the additions that they've added offseason. Most AJ- improvement in the NFL, you mean? Yeah, from a power rating standpoint, going from where they were week one last year, which, you know, obviously they didn't have a lot of uh, uh, backing at that point and they improved. And if I look at my uh, power ratings from basically the last game of last year to week one of this year, Detroit has the most improvement. And that's because Detroit had all these injuries at the end of the year last year. They were you Us, us three were basically playing for the Lions <laughs> at the end of the year last year. And, and like T.A. said, Dan Campbell, uh, he's got this team playing. They play. They play hard. He's brought respect back to the Lions organization that it needed over a long time. But Philly has also added here. A.J. Brown, Zach Pascoe, yep. uh, James Bradbury in, in the secondary. That secondary, which used to be a weakness, I think is now a big strength of this team as well. They add uh, Hassan Reddick uh, as an edge rusher as well. Um, and so I have value in Philly here, kind of to TA's point. I also see value in the over in this game. Uh, here's the interesting thing about Philadelphia and kind of to your point, TJ. Over the last two years, they're 1-15 in 15 straight up versus playoff teams. They have been horrible, even even last year in, in some of their success. But they're 12-4 and four straight up against non-playoff teams, including 9-1 and one last year. Uh, and they beat this line team, line three, I think it was three and a half last year, 44 to six in Detroit. Uh, I, I like who the lines are and what they're doing. They're, they're playing hard. They play hard. They're, they're growing. But I think the talent on this Philadelphia team is better. It does come back to Jalen Hurts a little bit, obviously. But they got a lot of talent on this team. Uh, and I do think they can cover what I think is a relatively short number on the road uh, in this game.
0: All right, good enough. We move on through the early Week 1 projections of the NFL here on the BetUS NFL show with the understanding there are lots of variables later on. Let's take a look at the next game. It does involve the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts who did acquire Matt Ryan. It will be weird to see him in Indianapolis colors Week 1. All things being equal, we believe he will be out there Week 1 for the Colts against the Houston Texans. The Texans having rid themselves of the Deshaun Watson controversy at least uh, in the football sense, even though it may be hanging over them still while his situation plays out. Davis Mills played at quarterback for a lot of last year. Again, the Texans devoid of a lot of talent, bad a year ago. Uh, T.A., give me a thought here on this, on Colts and Texans week one. Uh,
2: I I won't take this game. I'm laying off, but I will say this this does fit the home underdog in division week one um, trend. Uh, so Houston would be, if you just did this blindly, which I don't suggest, um, that would be a plus eight take, but I just, yeah, I don't. I really like this Colts team. I, I really think the the Matt Ryan, the you know the Carson Wentz, the Matt, Brian, Matt Ryan, um, swiz, uh, position switch is a big upgrade. So, um, and I just like that they, they can bully teams with that offensive line and with that running game with Jonathan Taylor. So, um, and I just don't have any faith in Houston. I think they played over their heads. I don't think Davis Mills is very good. Um, but you know, again, I. I In division home dogs week one is something that I really do believe in. So to me, it's just a pass. Uh, I don't need to take it. I'm just going to pass it.
0: Uh, Is Scott Kellen interesting? I do have familiarity with Lovey Smith, both as a Tampa Bay assistant in the late '90s, uh, then later the Bears coach, then later came back to the Buccaneers as the head coach. Then, Then the he's been well traveled. Then the University of Illinois coach. Then he ends up after getting fired there, coming into Houston last year as the first year defensive coordinator. And lo and behold, they pull the trigger and get rid of David Cully, the head coach, have a mess of a coaching search, and end up with Lovey as the head coach of the uh, of the Texans, uh, again, with the understanding that so much has to go on between now and week one. A thought here on the Houston mess against the Colts, week one? Uh,
1: yeah, not much of an opinion here. Um, you know they they had Matt Ryan, I think the other piece of the Colts had Stephen Gilmore uh, in the secondary. He was down a little bit last year, but that is a, you know, historically a top rated cornerback as well. That helps the Colts as well. Uh, you know, look for Houston they're you know, the rebuild has kind of started now, especially with Watson out of the mix and they got those draft picks. They started, they're They're adding pieces here, but Colts went, I think 31, nothing here last year uh, in, in the game. Um, no opinion for me. Uh, I like, you know, I'm very interested to see what the Colts are going to do here with Ryan. Uh, he's definitely an upgrade over Carson Wentz and, and they're coached very, very well as well. So. But uh, no play for me.
0: Yeah, tremendous fan base in Indianapolis. This is a road game. They'll embrace Matt Ryan here. Does he have anything left? Will it matter in a game with the Texans with the talent level being as low as it is there in uh, in Houston? We'll see. Speaking of talent level being low and a team now trying to get used to a new head coach again, the Jacksonville Jaguars, all they have been is a revolving door of players and uh, and also quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence back now for his second season, but it's a new head coach in Doug Peterson. Urban Meyer didn't even last the one year, T.A. The former Buckeyes and Florida Gators coach was out after like nine games a year ago. So now Doug Peterson is in. The Washington Commanders are equally a, a mess off the field. Uh, I don't know what to make of this game. Uh, Scott Kellen, right back to you. The game uh, in Landover, Maryland for week number one. The, do the Jaguars have any hope of being better in 2022? What do you think?
1: Uh, you know, they're kind of like Houston. First of all, the leadership change just in and of itself has to make this team better. That was such a mess last year. And I think they're kind of like Houston. They're just adding pieces slowly but surely here. Uh, you hope that some stuff helps, but they got a long, long ways to go. Uh, they lost their, their best offensive lineman, uh, Senator Linder, last year. I think he retired or maybe he went somewhere else, but he's gone, uh, you know, who knows? The, the only thing I'll say here is since 1997, in, I'm talking about week one here now, road dogs of less than seven points, if they won less than seven games last year, are now 43 and 15 against the spread went one-on-one. Say that again. Say that again. So road dogs of less than seven points um, if they won less than seven games last year. So the thinking here is they're not huge road dogs. So they're at least matched up, at least from a odd standpoint against a team that they can somewhat compete against, but they won less than seven games last year. So they kind of get overlooked a little bit, maybe by the opponent, maybe by the line maker. Um, and they they've been going 43 and 15, uh, since 1997 in week one. So that does put me on Jacksonville. Do I want Jacksonville? Not really. Uh, you know, Washington, hopefully they will get some of these guys back, but I don't know if Chase Young's going to play in week one. Him and Montez Sweat got hurt last year, uh, you know, towards the end of the year. And I don't know if Young's coming back. I just read something today. They're going to take it easy on him. They don't want to rush him back. So I'm not sure if that means he's back as well, but, uh, no play for me.
0: Well, and again, the running back, Travis Etienne, got hurt right away. Did he get hurt in the preseason or week one or whatever it was with the injury? And he never played. And it's an unknown if he's going to be ready right now while we're talking for week one this year because it was such a bad foot injury. We don't know. T.A., any thought on this one? Or is the stench too great on Jaguars-Commanders week one that you want to hold your nose and stay away, my friend?
2: I mean, it's pretty incredible that these two franchises are just such a mess and they're playing each other week one. Uh, so it's a perfect matchup from that that perspective. No, no play for me. Uh, I will say I think you know the Jags spent a lot of money. I mean they completely overspent. We know the Christian Kirk deal was just uh, completely reset the wide receiver market. If you can believe that, um, and so they really overpaid for these guys. But for one year, it, that's actually not a big deal because if you're just looking at a one year. Um, Microscope and you're, you don't care about the long-term <laughs> health of the the salary cap, then it probably does uh, make them an improved team this year. And plus, the just getting rid of Urban Meyer, like you mentioned, and then the the progression of of Trevor Lawrence, you know, so this should be a team that you know could win you know six, seven, eight games potentially um, if all things go right. Uh, in terms of Week One, though, um, or in terms of the the Washington team, I actually like Washington as a potential um, kind of longer shot playoff team. Just because they had maybe the, I think they had the most difficult schedule in the NFL last year, and they have one of the easiest this year. So a complete flip of, um, you know, of, of strength of schedule. You know, they had a Tyler Heineke playing playing quarterback. So as bad as Carson Wentz is, you know, he's not going to probably be worse than than Heineke, and maybe he resurrects his career. Um, you know, they've got a solid offensive line. Uh, their defense is solid, again, if Chase Young can come back. But they were really hurt last year by, uh, their third down defense. It was pretty uh, extraordinary by halfway through the season. They literally had the worst third down defense in the history of the NFL compared to what you know expectations should be. So meaning it's not like they were they were allowing a lot of third and twos right to be converted. It was like third and long. And there were teams were completing passes left and right over their head. And they finally started to fix it halfway through the year. Um, did a lot better there, and they won. They went on a four-game winning streak. You know, they, they had some impressive wins against Tampa, for example. Um, you know, so if if they can reverse some of that kind of uh, unlucky third-down defense, get some of their guys back, get Chase Young back, they can actually, I think, make some hay against a very, very easy schedule. So from a season perspective, I think they've got a shot to win, you know, eight, nine, ten games. But for week one, uh, it's a stay away between the not knowing about Chase Young and. Just so much uncertainty and the coaching staff issues, Ron Rivera. I just There's just so much up in the air that um, I don't really want to touch that week one.
0: Understood. And again, Jacksonville's about three hours north from where I'm doing the show here. I know a lot of uh, media members in Jacksonville. I know a lot of North Florida people and friends that want the Jaguars to try to get back on their feet with Trevor Lawrence for a second year. Doug Peterson is arguably the most proven head coach that they have had Really, in the last 10-plus years, can he turn it around? How long will it take in Jacksonville? We'll find out. Let's move on. As we look at the early peak of Week 1 games in the NFL and the US NFL show, we rock along with the Kansas City Chiefs without Tyreek Hill. Interesting. Uh, off of uh, a year ago's team, they still have some weapons. They still have that Mahomes guy. Meanwhile, in Arizona for the Cardinals, what's going on uh, with Kyler Murray, might he be a holdout because of a contract? Here's one of these unknown variables at quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins, we already know, is suspended for the beginning of the year for violation of PEDs from the NFL. So that's a big surprise. He won't be there. Uh, T.A., I'll go right back to you. Intrigue by uh, Chiefs and Cardinals?
2: Yeah, again, the, the uncertainty at quarterback would make me not do anything yet. Um, I think if if everything kind of plays out um, and and everything's okay with Kyler Murray at quarterback and there's not as much controversy. You know, I would look to maybe taking Arizona at, at plus three here. Um, just again, lack of uh, potentially lack of connection. Week one without a preseason. I'm assuming Mahomes is not going to play a lot in the preseason um, with those new weapons. So you know you could get some rust. You know potential uh, lack of connection there. So um, I would lean Arizona if I were to look at anything. I, I'm not going to take anything yet. I will say Arizona historically. I'll say historically, it's only a couple of years with Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray are really really good as underdogs. Um, you know that they hit it a pretty high clip, so um, that's that's usually a situation that they they excel in. And if you're getting a key number like three, um, you know I would look to be Arizona or pass for me, but uh, nothing nothing right now.
0: Scott Kellen, what do you think about the Chiefs? No Tyreek Hill, they still have obviously. Uh, Travis Kelsey. They've got Mecole Hardman. They've got some other weapons that are around Patrick Mahomes. And meanwhile, an Arizona team, again, with a lot of question marks, Kingsbury under fire because they faltered some. Uh, again, no DeAndre Hopkins. We mentioned Christian Kirk is gone. So a lot up in the air in Arizona.
1: Chandler Jones gone on the defensive side. Uh, that That's not going to help them either. Um, you know, like T.A. said, uh, pretty good as a dog for Arizona. They've also started the last couple of years pretty well. They seem to Till at the end of the year, whether it's a, uh, you know, Kyler Murray injury or other reasons, they seem to, to kind of fade off a little bit. I would maybe lean over in this game a little bit just because of these two teams. I think long term for the season, I think Kansas City is going to be absolutely fine. Andy Reid uh, is uh, a great offensive co- You know, I shouldn't say coordinator because he's not the coordinator, but an offensive mind. Uh, he'll, he'll get this team right from that standpoint. Maybe that takes a little while. I The problem I have with Kyler Murray, and I don't know that what I'm about to say is it can be backed up exactly, but I just worry about him against really, really good competition in big games. He just seems like he has not come through and he's failed in some of those moments. Um, Again, they have played pretty well at the beginning of the year, so maybe maybe they get off to another good start. But for me, uh, no play in this game right now.
0: All right. Fascinating enough there for the subplots around Kansas City and Arizona. Let's stay with a Western theme. Scott is based in Vegas. The Vegas Raiders have a new coaching staff. Despite making the playoffs, they did not retain the interim coach, Rich Bisaccia. He stepped in for John Gruden after the mess with Gruden. Uh, They did not retain him, so Josh McDaniels is now the coach, the former uh, Patriots offensive coordinator. Meanwhile, for the Chargers, breakout uh, for them, including Justin Herbert, they were better last year, but the Raiders in the final game of the regular season kept them out of the playoffs. Scott, I'm going to come right back to you. Raiders a road dog to play at SoFi in Los Angeles on the weekend. So the Rams will open up at SoFi on the Thursday night of week one. The Chargers will play on Sunday at home at SoFi Stadium in L.A. The Raiders, when last we saw them, were sticking it to the Chargers in that overtime game and made the playoffs because of it. Any quick thought from you on this game?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is week one divisional teams who did not make the playoffs last year Facing a team who did make the playoffs are 35 and 14 against the spread. So that would lean towards the Chargers. Wow. So again, you get this. Um, you know, my assumption here is the team made the playoffs, the other team didn't. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of line value there. I think the line's about right. So I, I'm not necessarily saying there's value there. But, uh, but that has played very well in the, in the first week on divisional teams. Uh, you know, both these teams have greatly improved their teams uh, since last year. Uh, we know what uh, the Raiders have done with Devontae Adams. They had Chandler Jones. But, you know, the Chargers uh, have also added some pieces here as well. They add J.C. Jackson to the team to get some help on the offensive line. Uh, they had Gerald Ebert at tight end replaces uh, uh, Jared Cook. So I don't know if that, that's maybe an even replacement there. But um, the one thing I would be cautious with on the Raiders is they overachieved versus their, versus their Pythagorean number last year by three wins, that is significant. And when we get to August, uh, you know, we can lay out some numbers of what that really means for a team. That tr- generally means regression. And when you combine that with a team who won a lot of close games, uh, as I define it by seven or less, um, they were seven and two against the spread. So when these teams overachieve by two or more games and win four more close games than they lose, they are headed for a big regression the next year. So I would be very careful from a Raider standpoint in regards to that. Um, And I think the Chargers here have made a lot of improvements this year. They don't fall into that same camp as far as regression, um, but no play for me in this game.
0: And TA, it's a brand-new coaching staff in Las Vegas, too. They responded to Rich Passaccia as the interim coach, but the Raiders and Mark Davis elected not to keep him. So Josh McDaniels is in there. Any quick thought here on this division uh, rivalry game in L.A.? I'll say the one
2: the one guy that uh, Scott uh, forgot to mention in terms of new additions for for the Chargers was Khalil Mack, pretty big yeah. addition. Like that, you know they they added a ton. I mean I love their they might have the best roster in the NFL to be honest. Um, they're absolutely loaded. Um, you know it's too bad they play in the toughest division in the NFL, but this is a this is a really really good team. I think it's a real legit Super Bowl contender. Their their biggest issue on defense was stopping the run. Uh, They add uh, Sebastian Joseph Day from from the Rams, one of the better run stuffers in the NFL uh, at defensive tackle. So, you know, they are really trying to plug their holes. Um, They they added Zion Johnson, a guard in the draft uh, offensive line. So I think this is a really, really good team. I don't have a play week one um, on this one. I just think that it's, it's, you know, a little bit too many points. But I think in general, I do like the Chargers as a team um, that could compete this year. Uh, but, you know, week one, um, you know, would be
1: a pass for me. Hey, I'll, I'll just add one thing uh, to what T.A. said. Yeah, their defense was issue last year. And I'm just looking at my sheet. They've added six pieces. T.A. mentioned some of them. So they made a very uh, uh, conscious decision to upgrade that defense. They're really to the next level. Uh, so, you know, kind of expecting to see what that means.
0: Let's settle down a little bit on the Chargers being a Super Bowl contender. We got to get them in the playoffs first, TA. <laughs> had trouble just getting in the playoffs. We got to do that first. Uh, a team that has not had a problem getting in the playoffs—it's just being able to progress through them—is the Green Bay Packers. The Packers will open the year, Aaron Rodgers and company, in the NFC North at Minnesota. No Devontae Adams any longer. They dealt him away. Speaking of the Raiders, to the Raiders. Always uh, a battle in these North Division matchups, especially when the team gets the Packers at home. T.A., I'll swing right back to you for this. Again, it's a week one matchup. We're in the summertime. Any, any thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would lean Vikings here for sure. Uh, maybe uh, actually might be a good teaser leg to get uh, over the key numbers of three and seven if you can get plus eight. If historically, have played pretty well at home against the Packers. They beat them last year. I like the fact that you know Kevin O'Connell's in there. He's going to be more of a run, uh, more of a pass-heavy offense, more three-wide receiver sets than what um, uh, the Vikings have had in terms of a lot of you know heavy personnel. Mike Zimmer loves to run the ball on first down. Things that are kind of um, opposite of what you'd want <laughs> in terms of this day and age, in terms of uh, getting getting ahead of the sticks. So um, you know, I do like that. I, like I said, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Green Bay in terms of the wide receiving core. I mean, Kristen Watson is, you know, going to be one of your, your receivers you're leaning on. I mean, it's a huge deal to lose Devontae Adams. Now, I would say historically, The Packers have held up pretty well without Devontae Adams. They've done a lot of the short passing game using Aaron Jones out of the backfield a lot. So I'm sure you'd see a lot more of that. But, you know, from a defensive perspective, the Vikings are going to game plan against that now. So it's not like it's a one week kind of interim thing. So they'll have time to game plan against that. You know, uh, they do get um, they did add Zedaria Smith. Uh, So obviously this is a uh, kind of revenge game, if you will, for for Smith. So and he knows Mm -hmm. the Packers team pretty well. So I think that uh, this is definitely a a great teaser leg. Um, if you want to add them to the, you know, potentially the the Ravens, uh, if, like I said, if things go okay in, in, in the offseason with Lamar Jackson. But uh, to me, this is, uh, you either have to take Minnesota straight up or in a teaser or, or a pass. I don't think you could take Green Bay here.
0: All right, Scott, I think I had your underdog Scenario correct for the Chargers not being a playoff team, then being a home underdog with a playoff team. Does that still apply to Minnesota here, or do I just have that all wrong here? Does it no, still
1: apply I, that stat? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Thirty-five and fourteen. That that applies to the Vikings. Uh, and like TA said, they add zadaria Smith. They also add chandon Sullivan, not a great cornerback, but another Packer cornerback. They had Lewis signed through the draft at, at safety uh, position. So they and and a few other defensive players. So the Vikings. I think the Vikings have done two things here. They've tried to upgrade that defense, which they kind of slipped a little bit uh, due to injuries and losing some players. And just offensively, as T.A. said, they've just changed that philosophy, and that philosophy did need to be changed to win in the NFL. Uh, so, And I am a Packer fan. I, I grew up in Wisconsin. I, I believe green and gold, but I'm with T.A. here. I would lean Minnesota. And the thing I would look at for the Packers this year, this team may flip a little bit. I think this defense will actually be very good. Uh, and the offense, you know, I think they'll, they'll live and they'll be okay with Aaron Rodgers regardless of who's that receiver. But I think the defense could become the strength, especially if the two draft picks from Georgia uh, really pan out and really help to fortify. And they'll get uh, J.R. Alexander back in the secondary this year. They, he missed most of last year as well. Um, so I think a defensive team from Green Bay is what we might see a little bit more this year. But I would lean Minnesota in this game. And, and maybe towards the under a little bit as well.
0: All right. Fair enough for that week one matchup in the NFC North, only three games remaining. And we got a couple of big ones here at the very end, Uh, Giants and Tennessee Titans, a lot of mystery around this one because the Giants have another new coaching staff, Brian Dable, the former offensive coordinator in Buffalo and Dable has been a few other places with at the university of Alabama too, as an offensive coordinator, he's now the Giants coach, Tennessee Titans having gotten rid of AJ Brown, but the Titans still have that Derek Henry guy who was hurt uh, for a lot of last season A lot of question marks around Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Scott Kellen, right back to you for Titans and New York Giants week one. Anything strike you?
1: A couple things here. Uh, Tannehill for Tennessee. Since he's came there, he's been a home favorite 17 times. They've won four of those games by more than Wow. They just don't blow teams away at home at all. Uh, And then if we go back to a system that I mentioned earlier, Road dogs have less than – well, if they're a seven-point road dog, this would not apply. But if they're less than seven – and they are six and a half in some spots – less than seven points, if they won less than seven games last year, 43 and 15 against the spread, applies to the Giants as well. I kind of like what the Giants are doing here. They're adding some pieces. Hopefully, uh, Dayball coming in there uh, can, can help. I think the, the jury's out on Daniel Jones. I don't think it's really fair to assess him yet. They've had such a bad offensive line. They've had so many injuries. If the guy could just not fumble the ball – I think the guy's got a little bit of potential here. Uh, no play for me. It'd probably be a lean towards the Giants, if anything, based on what I just uh, laid out, but no play.
0: T.A., some thoughts, just real quick here on Giants-Tennessee week one, a long way away.
2: Oh, this is, this is my favorite play of the week. I'm on Giants. Um, this is an absolute – I would take their money line, too. I think this is off by three points. Um, to me, this, again, I talked about early on, I, you know, Having a matchup where I like one team you know, for the season and fading another team, they play each other. Obviously, it's a great matchup. Well, this is it, because I like the Giants um, for the season, and I'm fading the Titans, I think. You know, from a Giants perspective, as, as Scott mentioned, you know, the offensive line has always been an issue. But, you know, Andrew Thomas played really well uh, in his sophomore season after struggling as a rookie last year. Missed some games due to injury, but he played really well. I continue to think he's going to ascend. They drafted Evan Neal from Alabama to play right tackle, so you got a top-ten pick. Um, which is going to be any, is gonna be better than anything they've had because they've never had really anything on the other side of that line. They, they signed Mark Lewinsky, who's a, you know, you've probably never heard of him from the Colts. He's a, he's a guard, solid top 25 PFF graded guard like year in and year out. Hasn't missed a game in, in a couple of years. So he's just a solid veteran that you stick in there. So at very worst, they're kind of an average offensive line, which is a big upgrade than what, they, what they've had in the past. But right. I mean, really it comes down to a few things for me. Last year, the Giants had one of the worst injury, you know, worst injury luck in the, of any team in the NFL, uh, maybe outside of the Ravens, especially on offense. I mean, they couldn't field wide receivers. Uh, some of these right. games, between Gallaudet and Shepard and Kadarius Tony. Darius Slayton, those, I think only
0: to your point, they were playing a Monday night game with the Buccaneers late in the year. And we're looking at the giant depth going, who are these yeah. guys that they're having to roll out here at that time for Joe judge's team. I was looking to see if like Phil McConkey was coming back uh, for the, I'm going in the way back machine there. Some of the other, uh, where was uh Hakeem Nicks or some of the modern guys, Mario Manningham, Make one of those clues. guys to go catch passes. Uh, they didn't have him there in New York, unfortunately, for that. So a lot of expectation. Interesting from either one of you. Daniel Jones, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on the quarterback. Brian Dable has put all the pressure on him and basically said, he didn't say this, I'll say it, if you suck at the beginning, it's rather obvious you're going to go to the bench and you're not going to be back. So that's kind of interesting they put it on him. Yeah,
2: and I will say when when – uh, two of their top uh, three receivers actually played more than 60% of the snaps of the game. It only happened three times, if you could believe that, uh, with Daniel Jones. He actually had, you know, using an advanced statistic, EPA, he had a .234 EPA, which is essentially equivalent to the second best quarterback in the NFL. Just in those three <laughs> games that he played. Again, another one of them was against-
0: he actually had a little help. I got
2: you. Yeah, we actually had a little help. Now I think he's got a better offensive line. Again, hopefully he gets some injury regression, those guys stay healthy. You get Saquon Barkley back. And again, I don't love running games, but he's an explosive player. He's at least a threat. You put him in this Dayball off that's the other thing, the coaching change. You go from Joe Judge and uh, you know, Jason Garrett to, to Brian Dayball, and even if Dayball's not a great coach. We know he's got a system and a philosophy that at least caters to this modern NFL, and you could, you know, create explosive plays. You got guys like Tony and Barkley that you can kind of spread out and give them one-on-one matchups. I think, and, and you got a team like Tennessee who hasn't seen that yet, so you know it's going to be tough for them to game plan. On the other side of the ball, I mean, you look at Tennessee; they've lost AJ Brown, obviously. Julio Jones is not there right now. I mean, who knows if he resigns? And they're replacing him with a rookie and Traylon Burks and Robert Woods coming off of an ACL tear. Who knows if he'll be healthy enough to, to play? And again, as I mentioned earlier, these teams are not playing their quarterbacks in preseason, so you don't get that connection, especially for a Week One game. So that all and their offensive line was already one of the the three worst when you look at uh, PFF's pass blocking metrics last year, and they got worse this year, uh, worse this season. They lost their right tackle Dan Quesenberry, who was playing really well, one of the best graded um, right tackles. So they're in trouble on the offensive line. Tannehill, not only is it going to be rusty, he's a lame duck quarterback. I mean, they drafted Malik Willis, and a lot of people are already saying that they're just going to let uh, Tannehill walk next year because they don't have to eat much of his salary, and that's not how you enter a season. I just think that there's a lot of things going against Tennessee. They overachieved last year based on the talent that they had. So I think all of those things, you kind of mix it, mix it a bowl. And to me, it's, it's giants. I think giants win this game. I think it's going to be one of those where everyone says, Oh, what a great upset. What a big upset to me. It's not not going to be a, a major upset. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If they went out. Right.
0: All right. Good enough on that two games to go. The Sunday night opener will be my Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady back. If he was ever gone, depends on what you believe in the off season to play another season in Tampa Bay. A lot of people didn't think he'd play three years at Tampa Bay. He's going to give it a go. Again, we're in the summer at the time that we're doing this. Going to give it a go for year three. And the Dallas Cowboys with a lot of expectations. They were better under Mike McCarthy year two. They are the home team in this game. This game was the opener a year ago, the Thursday night game. And I will just share this. Scott Kellen, I'm coming to you. Dak Prescott amazed me a year ago with the horrific broken ankle back in the 2020 season uh, to have not played at all, not played in the preseason. He stepped out on that Thursday night game and looked all world uh, right away in the first half of that game with the throws. It was as impressive as anything I have seen at field level. And I have been doing sideline work for the Buccaneers in the NFL for going on 18 seasons now for a guy under the circumstances I described to come out and just look electric with without not even having played in the preseason. He looked great for whatever that's worth. They ended up making the playoffs. Now it's Buccaneers coming to the Cowboys on the opener. Do you have any early thoughts on this Scott?
1: Yeah, I agree for you uh, with the other uh, TJ. He was phenomenal in that game. When I look at Tampa's profile here over the last two years with Brady there, uh, 18 and three straight up versus non-playoff teams. They're actually, I think this is just during the regular season. May have took one game out for some reason, but six and six straight up versus playoff teams. They were five and one last year versus playoff teams. So I think the first year was more Brady kind of getting integrated in the offense, getting people there. But you look at last year when they played good offenses, offenses 31-29 versus Dallas, 24-34 at the Rams. 38-31 versus Indy. It was actually a very close game. They, they scored that touchdown at the end. Blew a cover for me uh, with Indy. Uh, 33-27 versus Buffalo. Uh, had the lead. Buffalo comes back. They got the cover for me in that one, in that late score uh, at the end of the game. Uh, 27-30 against the Rams at the end of the year. That game kind of got inflated with the scoring uh, a little bit late in that game. But uh, the theme here is against these good offenses, uh, there's a lot of points scored in these games. Now, you know, with the total at 52, I make it about 51 and a half. If Godwin doesn't play, uh, you know, might brings that down a little bit even more. Uh, kind of be interesting your thoughts, it, it, what you're hearing there. Uh, but it points to uh, – it just uh, points to a lot of points for me in this game, potentially. No opinion really on the side. Um, I favor Tampa by about two and a half points. That's with Godwin playing. Uh, but I don't think I'd play anything on the side. Maybe a play on the over uh, – as we get closer
0: as we as we have shared we don't know about injury situations with some of these guys that had a season-ending injury and trying to come back the next year godwin had a torn acl in late november is he gonna be ready week one that is an unknown from everything Uh, that we're hearing he should be available to be out there some in training camp. I can't believe they'll risk him very much in the preseason. Chris Godwin, the Bucs receiver, but that's an excellent compliment to Mike Evans if he can play. And T.A., as we come to you, we've already mentioned this. Amari Cooper no longer in Dallas with the Cowboys. I don't know how that factors into anything you think about this Sunday night opener. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would lean Dallas, but I don't love it here. Um, like you said, I mean, without if Chris Godwin doesn't play, I mean, I think that changes a lot of what they do. I mean, they, he really, really uses Godwin as a security blanket. Now, they got Russell Gage, who's, you know, he's okay, but he's just not the same guy. Um, I think the offensive line is a little bit down. Um, but uh, I think with, with, what's interesting with Tampa last year, 6-0 and in one-score games. They won every close game in the regular season. Uh, that's really, really, really hard to repeat. Doesn't matter who you are at quarterback. Um, typically, teams, you know, if they they are outliers both on the positive or the negative, you're you're around 500 the next year in those close games. You just don't win uh, the same amount, and so you don't get all that luck <laughs> that you that you might see the prior year. So keep that in mind in in a close game spread like this. Um, again, this could be another situation if you can tease up Dallas to over seven. Might be another nice teaser teaser leg. Uh, with Minnesota here, um, I, I just think that uh, both teams have lost some some guys, and there's some question marks at receiver. I mean Dallas. Uh, who knows what happens after CD Lamb's are clear number one? I mean, James Washington, Michael Gallup's coming off of injury. I'm not sure he'll play yet. Right. Jalen T- Tolbert is actually a rookie that I like from a long shot uh, rookie of the year perspective, just because he might step in right away as your number two receiver uh, with a really good offense and a really good quarterback. Uh, but he's an unknown. So, you know, there's a lot of unknowns here, but I just think the value is probably on Dallas here. Uh, like I said, teaser might be okay, get him over seven points. But, um, you know, otherwise, it's. I think
0: it should be a really good game. Uh, Yeah, and again, again, a couple more uh, factors for this one, obviously. It's probably going to be electric. It's going to be a Sunday night game. The Cowboys... Always are a love-hate team to be on national TV Sunday night, uh, Monday night with all the buildup. Brady starts the new season. No Bruce Arians as the head coach. Todd Bowles is now the head coach, so you've got that factor as well uh, in Tampa Bay with Brady coming back. And we don't know right now if Gronk is going to officially sign up and play. He's not under contract. The belief has been that he did not want to participate in the offseason stuff, that he will be in for training camp, but that's not a guarantee If Gronk is there and Gronk is healthy, that's a much different security blanket and situation even without Chris Godwin for the Bucs. But we don't know that right now, guys. As we sit here in the summer, we don't know what Gronk's going to officially do or not for this upcoming year. So uh, this is one of those games, just kind of like the Buffalo matchup with the Rams to begin week one. You've got this one. And then that segues to the final game that has another big storyline. That is Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks. No accident here, T.A., as we come right back to you, that the NFL schedule maker says, stick Russell Wilson in Seattle week one against his old team. There it is. And not only that, they're favored on the early lines, on the US line and the early lines in Seattle as we're talking here in the summer. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't back Seattle. They might be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Might be the worst team uh, if you're if you're sticking with Drew Locke and Geno Smith as your quarterbacks, so you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, their offensive line isn't very good. Their defense is atrocious. I mean, I dare you to name really anybody in their front seven. I mean, they they Shelby Harris was, was a guy they got from Denver. He was a good player, but they got nobody. Um, their secondary is very mediocre. I, I don't I don't really have much. Uh, it's really hard to back Seattle here. I would probably lean towards, um, you know, maybe taking the over. Um, Obviously, let's see what the weather's like in Seattle. You never know with the rain. Uh, I think Russell Wilson's going to want to throw the ball against his team. He wants to prove that, you know, you should have let me, you know, air it out 30-plus times every game. So I think that, you know, with those receivers, he's got really good receivers with uh, Judy and and Cortland Sutton, among others. Uh, Tim Patrick, I mean, I think he's got some weapons there. I think they're going to move the ball. Um, and so I think, you know, I think Denver will score some points, just a matter of Seattle could keep up, but, uh, you wouldn't, you can't pay me to, to take Seattle here. I just don't think they're really any good. Um, and against, you know, Russell Wilson's going to want to lay it on him. I think so. Um, yeah, no, no, uh, side for me, but like I said, it could be, could be a lot of points for, for, uh, for Denver here.
0: TA has no belief in the Seahawks. Scott Kellen, as we wind it down with the final game we're talking about, any intrigue on this one for the Monday night opener?
1: Yeah, I'm with T.A. here on the over. 41 is a really low total. Uh, you got to figure Denver can put some points on the board. Uh, and I agree. This Seattle defense is devoid of talent. They have slowly but surely over the years lost some of these better players. I make the number about 45 and a half, so I think we got some value to the over. A little bit of value to, to uh, Denver in this game, but I'll point this out. And this, this worked for the Raiders last year. Uh, Monday night, road favorites in week one, 7-18 and 18 against the spread including three and 17 against the spread as road favorites of less than six points. Don't ask me why other than week one, a lot of hoopla, right? And hype. Uh, but these teams on week one lane points on the road on Monday night have struggled. Uh, I don't really want any part of Seattle, but that's probably enough uh, to keep me off of uh, Seattle or off of Denver. But uh, the over for me, assuming the weather's okay, like TA said, I think has a reasonable chance. And I would say, I would love to see Drew Locke in this game. He's got a bigger arm, obviously, uh, and Drew Locke can help both sides, both teams, when he's out there throwing <laughs> passes. So I think that's just helpful. I
0: keep both teams in the game with touchdowns and with interceptions. And again, this one will be interesting. This will take some getting used to. If you're watching on TV, it will be the first time in 20 plus years that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will do a Monday night football game on ESPN, not on Fox. And the answer to the trivia question is Russell Wilson's return to Seattle is their first game. They won't be on the Fox Sunday games or the Thursday night game on Fox or the Thanksgiving day game or a playoff game or a Super Bowl. They're on ESPN, and that's their first game, Denver and Seattle. My goodness, we have covered 16 Week 1 games. Gentlemen, any thoughts here just in closing, excited for the NFL season? I know we've got a couple of months before it really ramps up, before July turns to August and the preseason and it really ramps up. Any thoughts, though, in the middle of the summer? T.A., First.
2: No, just going to keep an eye on the the Browns quarterback situation. Obviously, I'm just waiting for it. Just give me a number, right? Just give me a punishment. And let's let's move on as much as we can um, and then see what happens with Baker Mayfield. Um, that's, you know, obviously going to be uh, first and foremost on my mind. And then, you know, let's get to the Hall of Fame game. That's usually the signal of kind of things are ramping up. Uh, as bad of a game as it is, it's, it's you know, uh, right down the street here in Canton, Ohio. So always looking forward to that. And uh, and then we get into uh, – you know, getting to August in the preseason. So looking forward to
0: all of that. Scott, any final thought here as we get ready to to hash it all out in the summer and then get ready for football? July turns to August and the regular season will be here before we know it at that
1: point. No, kind of like T.A. said, just trying to get some of these questions answered, I think, uh, just to help us, guide us down the road. And uh, can't wait for it to get- can't get here soon enough and uh, just excited to see how some of these teams have moved during the off season and how that really plays out as they get going. So can't wait.
0: Gentlemen, great stuff here on our NFL week one preview. I love my handicappers TA and Scott Kellen boys have a great summer. We'll be back soon enough talking pro football here on the bet. U S NFL show. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks thank TJ. You. And we thank you for watching here on bet. U S.